This is the Sonicast, where artists discuss their passion for creating music. We discuss everything about music creation, from the tech needed for success to music education. So if you love making beats, film scoring, or creating sample packs, this is the show for you, where you'll regularly hear from experts in their field discuss their experiences and learn what makes them highly sought-after professionals. Today's guest is with Rovan Roman. Rovan has been in the music licensing business for many years, building an impressive resume, placing tracks on television shows such as The Ellen Show, The Tyra Banks Show, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, The Cartoon Network's Teen Titans Go, and many, many more. And though he's got music tracks placed with television, radio, and online media, he's also had a uniquely first-hand experience and perspective on the rise of the hip-hop music industry in L.A. This interview takes place at his studio. It's funny because I hear you and you, not not that you like to name drop, but I hear you start naming dropping different things. This was just part of what you grew up in. Yeah, I grew up, yeah, but I wasn't, like with with Digital Underground, I wasn't, I didn't meet him. I wasn't, I was just there. Well, you were there. When it happened. Which is a lot more than what most people can say. (laughs) You were actually there. Yeah. I think just growing up in in Compton, there was such an explosion of artistry, believe it or not, of creativity during that era. It was. That is worldwide. I mean, people recognize, you know, you talk about Easy e you know, you talk about, uh, you know, even I was just talking about the the Knights of the Turntables. Yeah. You know, I mean, I heard of them when I was thousands of miles away. Well, what a time of creativity to be around there, man. Well, before Easy even came around, we were listening to, like, Knights of the Turntables, we were listening to... Um, gosh, I forgot their name. Uh, World Class Wrecking Crew. Okay, which was part of Dr. Dre. Okay, but they were playing that fast techno music. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. We were listening to Kraftwerk, which they're from France. We were listening to Egyptian Lovers. Huh? Egyptian Lover. They were called Uncle Jam's Army. Okay, biggest thing in L.A. They would have the biggest dances in L.A. Huh, and they were huge. They had a lot of shows. Um, so it was Uncle Jam's Army, Egyptian Lover, um, L.A. Gene Team. Okay. You know, they were huge. Um, I forgot those girls' names. They, they sung a song called Supersonic. I remember that. Yeah. I the song was very corny as I don't know what. <laughs> but when you're growing up in that, like I said, it was all fast music. So, yeah, so you, you're DJing to it. You're, you're, you're mixing. You know, you got guys breakdancing, pop locking and all that. Kind of, or breakdancing. Let me say breakdancing. Right. Pop locking, I was around for, okay. but I wasn't a part of. Okay. Break dancing, I was a part of musically. Understood. I couldn't break dance, but <laughs> I could. I could supply the beat for the guys to right. do that. Right. Right. So, right. man, what a time to be alive! What it was a time fun. to be in that era, man. This is creativity. Let me just. I have to say this. No, go ahead. Go ahead, please. West L.A. All right. West L.A. in the eighties. All right. That was a blast. Okay. You go at Friday nights. All kind of rich, rich kids, cars. I, I, I actually stole my father's. He had a, bought a brand new 1984 Toyota Supra. I snuck it out of the garage because I wanted to show off. You drive down Westwood, you see <laughs> a lot of Hispanics and Asians and blacks with cardboard in their back pocket, okay. ready to battle someone. <laughs> and it's just, it was just great. No fights. Right. You know, afterwards, it was like, oh man, you were tight, whatever, yeah. shake your hand, move on. But that was, I mean, you could hang out late, and that's all it was about, was just hanging out and having fun on the streets of, of Los Angeles. If I wanted to maybe watch a movie to get an idea of what that was like, what movie or a couple movies do you think I could watch 
do you think would really define that time best? Because I think of like, uh, I've seen Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. People would say some of that's accurate, some of it's not. Yeah. You know, some people would say, uh, uh, there are a few others, you know, mm-hmm. like Breakin, um, uh, I think that's New York. But there are a couple others. But Bra- Breakin's LA. Oh, Breakin is LA. Yeah. Okay. Crush Groove is New York. And Crush they, Groove. They had another one, but what Breakin was from LA. And if you, the question you just asked, mm-hmm. that would probably be part of it because if you notice those guys part of the movie started off with them breakdancing and i think it was venice beach i believe or santa monica i believe it was venice beach i'm not sure okay but that's how it was you go to the beach and just battle hmm. you know what i mean and if somebody beats you you go back home you practice dancing and go back and battle right but a lot of that was also determined on the dj okay because if you had a relationship with your dj he would put on that one, okay, you know, I'm about to break dance, man. When I get to this part, put on that one song. It's because, like a hype man. Because yeah. nobody has that song that, that you got, and I'm going to just really tear them up on that one song. And you would do that and play that one part, and, you know, the crowd would go crazy. What a time to be alive, man. Not what? paying attention to the DJ, though, <laughs> because it's the, it's the guy dancing that would that would you know, that was tearing it up. Yes. But it's because that song just did something. You know, music moves people. So, you know. I would say breaking would be what would describe that era to to a degree because, like I said, dancing in the streets, dancing, battling, dancing. The DJ, you know, they went to uh to to, to some club. I forgot what it was called, but you know, they're battling, dancing, and all that, and the DJ scratching. So that was that would be the movie that I would say for me. Okay, that more sort of kind of describes. Um, how L.A. used to be and the fun of it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So that, that would be the movie. So you were there in L.A. through your, of course, uh, growing up mm-hmm. uh, after high school, doing a lot of DJs, yep. doing a lot of, having a lot of fun. Yep. There's a point to where you decided, I'm not going to be there anymore. How long, what was that decision like? And why did you decide to move out of that? The only reason why I moved, me and my wife started a daycare. And in L.A. Okay. In our apartment building. Okay. Um, because I was working, I had worked for Costco for 10 years, and I messed up my ankle some kind of way. Hmm. I wasn't able to walk on my ankle. I actually would, I would wake up in the morning, feel okay, mm-hmm. go to work, mm-hmm. get on a forklift. Um, all of a sudden, it would start tightening up, and every day it got worse. It got so bad that one day, I... I was driving home. I, I couldn't press on the brake because I couldn't lift my ankle. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Um, I actually, so I had to use my other foot. I couldn't get in the house. I had to crawl to my front door to get in the house. Oh, my goodness. And it was, it was, it was I'm going to tell you how bad it was. These guys, uh, they were actually gangbangers, <laughs> and they saw me crawling. <laughs> and they knew who I was. Like, right. hey, what's wrong with you? What's going on? Right, right. They thought I was shy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, that, of course, that's what it looked like. It's, why are you on the ground? What's going on? I said, right. I can't walk. Right. So they picked me up, carried me, and put me in my house. Wow. Um, but um, so we we were we were doing daycare. It did great, and we said, hey, okay, let's start a home. Let's do this from a house. Right. Let's buy a home. Sure, sure. And we started looking for a home in Long Beach, and because that's where our daycare was based out of. Yes. And we, well, actually Bellflower, but I say the Long Beach area. Um, so we were looking for a house. And this house we found, it was a pretty big house. It was, well, wait a minute. When I say pretty big, it was probably 1,800 square foot. Okay. So for, well, for the area. For the area, it was pretty, pretty big. big. Yeah. Um, but they wanted four to $500,000 for this 
house that's 40 years old. Wow. And it needed a ton of work. Right. And I was looking at the house. Now, I, I lived in um, in the Pomona area, Montclair area, and mm-hmm. there were ni- nice homes out there. And that's what my mind envisioned us living okay. in one of those homes. Now, when, when me and my f- wife first got married, we looked in um, Montclair, uh, Rancho Cucamonga area, right. and we saw some beautiful homes for a great price. Okay. But we didn't jump on it. We took our time and says, well, it's not time to buy a home. We should have okay, because those homes were 250000 and they're now $600,000 homes. Easy, sure. Easily. But we didn't know uh, nothing about the market was going to go up, right. value, buy a home, let the value grow. We didn't know that. We of didn't course. know any of that. Right. Um, so we were looking for a home, and I'm like, I don't know, babe. It says, this is look around for some homes. I'm like, okay. Now, I didn't know nothing about Phoenix either. So one thing, I didn't know areas. <laughs> right. I didn't know what what was good, what was bad, but um, you know we start off looking in different. We looked in Mesa, we looked in a few other areas in Phoenix, okay, and then we looked in Buckeye. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't like there was you know there's no really no back then right. there, there was not a lot out in Buckeye. And how long ago was this? Uh, had, that had to have been 15 years ago. Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there wasn't yeah. much out in Buckeye at that point. They were building the, the homes were being built, but I was like, hmm, right. Let's let's keep looking. And we, the realtor that we were using, said, "Oh, I know some homes for you." Let's, because I was kind of being picky. So he was trying. Sure, sure. He was feeling me and was like, "Okay, I know what you want. Let's go going to Levine." I know nothing about Levine, right. Arizona, but we looked at some homes, brand new homes, wow. brand new everything. I like it out here. We had diversity when we first moved, right. but we also had a lot of, at that time, they were letting a lot of people buy more than one home if you had the money, right. and there was a lot of rental properties, too. Right, that's true. So, which, you know, re, re, and let me say this, it's a blessing when you can rent your home out to a family that's, that needs, you know, needs to, that can yes. buy. Right, of course. But because there were so many properties, you know, of course, when you don't own it, you don't take care of it the same. Right. So, you know, it, it got ran down and I'm like, man, we know this is starting to feel like LA again, <laughs> you know, what's going on here? Not really, you know, it's no comparison, but I'm like, what is really going on here? And somebody told me, this says, well, you live closer to South Phoenix. Um, right. So you're you're right there off you know near Broadway and 16th Street. You're right there where a lot of things happen. Right. So that's why you're starting to see a lot of the traffic. I mean, we had drugs were coming in. We had a house across the street from us that was uh, very quiet. Mm-hmm. But one day there was a raid. So what we didn't know is was it was a, a house turned into like a, a brothel. Oh wow. Yeah. So people were you know were coming in at, at night. And yeah. 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 We didn't know this. I'm like, wow, really? Wow. Because the area just looks like it looked rich. Sure. And from my standpoint, from right. my eyes, how I looked at it, like it was way better than Compton. Right. Brand new. My house was 2,400 square foot. To us, that was just huge. It's a mansion compared to what you were used to, I'm sure. Had a pool in my backyard. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It was, I had the biggest backyard in that in, in that housing area, it was sure. so it, it was a big old dirt field with a pool because <laughs> we we were gonna get do landscape, we were gonna take our time and get it done right, but we got the pool. Yeah, did you um when you moved out here, did you keep up the daycare or is that something you decided to do later on or we were going to uh, the rules the rules out here are different than yes. the rules out there. Um, this is just from what somebody told me out there you can have. 
up to seven kids at a time. And we had, because we started, we decided to go 24-hour daycare. Okay. So we've had up oh, to wow. 18 to 24 kids. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and we had to, well, we had some in the, in the daytime. We had seven, actually seven to 12 kids, which was, we weren't supposed to, but we did. And we it wasn't like we needed to do that, but it's just, you wind up with a family that says, hey, you know, let's just say your max is seven and you have six. Yes. And then you get a family that says, hey, I heard about you. I want to bring my kids here. And she has four kids. Okay. You know, you're like, okay, how are you going to do this? <laughs> so it's, 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 um, it was a blessing because I still had my job at Costco, but I couldn't go to work. Right. Costco's a great company to work for. Yes. They, they let me stay off as far as wherever time I needed to heal. That's but the daycare generous. was doing so great. I'm like, well, babe, you know, you have a job. Yeah. Um, you have the benefits. I'll just do the daycare. Okay. And it was a blessing. So, and I was doing, I was able to do daycare and do music. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Did, the, did, did the daycare allow you to continue and do more in music? Or did you step away from Costco? How was all of that doing? Because I'm hearing three things at once now. Music, <laughs> Costco, and daycare. So something had to give, didn't it? Not really. So the, let's say let's just say how I got into that. So I um, got into music production um, a little bit on my own. Just I actually met a group called it was a group called Above the Law. Okay, and they're from Pomona, California. They signed to Eze. They used to come to my house. I had a few beats, you know, and they kind of like what I did, but I get I didn't really go forward with it. They were serious. Wow. And they um, later on told me, hey, you know what? We got signed to Eazy-E. I'm like, what? Really? Because <laughs> I never really, I heard them rap, and they were, they were pretty good. They were pretty decent, but I didn't hear everything. Oh, okay. These guys were good. They were great. Um, and they got a, they got signed to Eazy-E, and I'm like, man, had I had just put put more effort into this, I would have been a part of that group because they, they invited me in. They were cool. You know, they had a DJ already. Okay. Um, I think his name was Anthony, if I believe, but... If if I was ready to put the work in, which I wasn't mentally ready, okay. I would have been part of that group, and it was that was that was great. So eventually, I got a job at Costco. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of into music, but I meet a friend of mine named Larry. He was a rapper, and he wasn't just a rapper. He was uh, um, his rap was like poetry. So okay. he was he was a good rapper. You know okay. he was he was very good, and he heard the stuff I was doing at the time. The beats, man, we ought to hook up, and we did. And he started taking me to the studios. He took me to a studio and um, Harthon called the Black Hole. Okay, it was a, I didn't even I didn't now look here we go again. I'm at this recording studio, not knowing that this studio was popular. Okay, um, when Easy E wasn't recording in Torrance, California, at a studio called Audio Achievement. He was recording music at the Black Hole, or at least he was the producers yes. that he had was at the Black Hole Recording Studio. It was just a sixteen channel, sixteen track studio. Okay, they had nice equipment back then, sure. but a lot of major producers came through there. Wow, I met a lot of uh, major producers, at least back at that. Today. A guy named DJ Unique. Okay, he produced for Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yes, another DJ called Tony C. And I was there. I was. I remember going in for a session and hearing all these beats and hearing all this stuff. And I was like, "Wow, this is some nice. These are some nice tracks. Oh yeah, this is for a, 
uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony. I was like, well, who's that? You know, because they weren't really out yet. Right. Oh, group Easy East Side. Oh, so they're recording here. He said, yeah. Well, we were doing the music anyway. Um, so I was around. I was there for that. I'm like, man, that's great. Met a lot of rappers, a lot of producers. Um, the guy, uh, his name, I can't think of his name, who's over the studio, he was actually on TV a few months, uh, actually a couple of years ago, talking about, oh, he was actually on um, Unsung. Okay, he yes. Was, he was on there, yes. and, and they were doing a skit on Bone Thugs and Harmony. I cannot remember this guy's name, but he was a, you know, he was a musician. He produced some of that album as well. Sure. And I used to listen to him. I'm like, man, this, this track is hot. <laughs> and, you know, it was not a lot of production, really. It was drum machine, sample, and maybe a guitar player. Okay. And that was it. Wow. But the, but the beat was nice. It was like, wow, this is the first of the month, I believe, I was listening to them do that. And I'm like, oh, this is a hot song. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. Just being around that area, it's just amazing. Yeah. I'm hearing you talk. Like I, like I said before, man. You, you speak as these are your friends. These are people yeah. you've grown up with, people you've yeah. been around a lot, and they define a lot of the hip-hop culture, yeah. a lot of the R&B culture. Yeah. Uh, just to be around that is pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's, it's fun, and you learn, and then you're around it, and you learn things. Okay. You, you learn a whole lot. I used, to rec- I, used to, uh, I used to record at a studio called Hot Wax okay. in Compton. Okay. Um, little hole in the wall studio, but we had good we had good stuff. Mm-hmm. But what we had even better than that was we had great producers. Mm-hmm. We good had people. we had great talent that used to come through there. So you know it was an honor for me. They would say, "Hey, it's time to record. Can you come?" Wow, sure. Because I I didn't I didn't live far from there, so sure. I, I would drive out. Sometimes I go early in the morning just to prepare for the session that didn't start till maybe twelve. Yeah, but yeah, uh, you yeah. know you had to get familiar with the gear because it wasn't my studio. Right. But the guy who owned it doesn't record. He just owned the studio. Right. So, you know, that we, we had a guy, an artist called Black. His name was Black. And he could sing his butt off. <laughs> but even being in that studio, the environment was you had producers come in and out. And That's so cool. And you're hearing things and you're thinking like, this, this is what made you better That's as cool. a producer because you're like... Yes. Because I never... I was quiet. So I never... I'm still quiet to this day. I don't really say a lot of what I know or don't know you know I just because I always think okay even though I know I'm good at, at certain things somebody could do it better so I want to see right I, I, I'll dumb down myself in a minute like well yeah I, I do this but you wise. know really I want to see I want to learn and I don't care if the guy's been doing it for, for 30 years or for three days right there's always something. There's somebody I forgot. Maybe it was my uncle who told me you can always learn. Yeah, actually he did. You can always learn from the most unexpected person. Um, because remember, I was a kid. I was living in Arkansas, and I saw a homeless guy, um, walking the street, and I, I I said something stupid about him. Like, look at this crazy guy. Hmm. And my uncle said, "Let me tell you who that guy is. This guy has the highest degree." that you can ever, ever get from school. He said, this guy used to be rich. He had money. Wow. But he just, he just somewhere down the line, he just lost his mind. And he couldn't handle it. Wow. And he couldn't handle, I mean, he didn't like blow it. Mm-hmm. He just, just, just gave it all up and just started drinking and yeah. just hung out on the street. Wow. Live where he can live. I mean, 
You know, so I, you know, so, but he says if you wherever uh, you hear him talking to himself, he, he talks to himself, maybe fusses and whatever sure. to himself. Right. He says, best believe if you ever walk to him and ask him a question, you would be, you wouldn't believe what he knows. Sure, sure, sure. He'll give you wisdom. You know, I was talking with um, Danny Lara last in our last session. He said something very interesting that a lot of times we make the mistake of putting people in boxes. Yeah. Where we, we put people in these boxes, you know, you're you're a producer. Yeah. So how much more would you know about whatever else, philosophy or, you know, politics or whatever else? Yeah. Same goes for other people who you can't judge books by their cover. You can't just look at somebody and go, because you've done that, that's all you do. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, good, good point. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm also a sound engineer. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which I didn't start off being that by trade, but um, I... um. This, I got into it because there was a church that didn't have a sound guy, and they knew I did studio recording. They said, hey, come do sound. I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> I knew the sound. I knew the people who were there. They didn't know what they were doing, but I was way better than I know. I knew something. So right. I didn't know nothing at all. But they love they love what I did because it made their church better. Sure. Um, now, I say that to say not that I there could have been somebody else that the to come around and, and do better than I than I was doing, but um, they weren't there. They weren't there, so everything was there, and there was no one there to tell me what I what I was doing wrong. Right. There was no one to say you're doing that wrong. Right. So they just accepted what I did. I did make it better. I had to. I was nervous because whoever was there didn't take care of anything. There was just spool of wires and cables <laughs> all over everywhere. <laughs> right. And I had asked. Someone says, can I take this apart? It says, you run sound. You can do what you want. I says, oh, okay. So I told I was nervous. I'm going to plug all this. Right. Take right. It all. I'm going to do one thing at a time. Good. And, and plug in one mic, one drum, um, cable, whatever, right, right, at right, a time. Right. And, you know, cleaned it up. They loved it. That's cool. But I still. You got a chance to learn? Yeah. And it was all you. Yeah. It, it was. I still didn't know. But, you know, okay, you, you know when you make a mistake, okay, don't do that again. Whatever you just did, never right. let that happen again. I didn't know. No, I didn't know about compression, and I remember this singer came from Phenomenal, and he, the singer came with a producer, and the producer says, "Hey, I'm listening to his vocal. It sounds like his voice is being over compressed." <laughs> so what I said out loud was, "Oh, I got you." I knew what he meant, and I turned down the threshold on the compressor. I knew to do that. Okay, but. I didn't know right. he was being overcompressed. He just said compress, so I just knew that the compressor was on, and I think we had it set high for the passion's mic because the passion would get loud, and right. you know you want that. But right. for the singer, you need it was range. it was cutting mm -hmm. out his 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 range. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm like, oh yeah, I pre I pretended like I knew. I'm like okay, let me just turn that down. What's <laughs> the term? You fake it till you make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I but I just learned something. Right, I, I learned about. Um, how to use the compressor a little bit better, a little bit better. Yeah. Right, right. That's good. Yeah. All right, this is a good spot. We'll stop to take a quick advertisement break. Hi there, I'm Dan Young, co-founder of Sonic Productions, your music production company. We partner with businesses to help you deliver your best message professionally, elegantly, and with the power to capture your audience. 
Our goal is to serve you as you seek to grow your brand, whether you use Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or other mediums like podcasting or television. We'll work with you to custom tailor a song to fit your campaign, or you can visit our music licensing business, Sonica, to choose from over 100 original songs ready for licensing. Voiceover narration is also available. So when it's time to seriously consider growing your business, consider Sonic Productions to stand out. Sonic Productions, our music, your story. Visit us at www.sonicproductions.biz to contact our team and to learn more. So let's talk a little bit about, more a little bit about um, you and your family. Because mm-hmm. uh, I know you, you've grown up, of course, in Compton. Coming here to Arizona, your wife, um, how many kids do you have? Okay. <laughs> I have... I have three girls, two boys. Uh, my oldest is 35. You have a 35-year-old? Yes, I do. What did you have when you were 10? Something like that. <laughs> I had him when I was 17, <laughs> 18 years old, something like that. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, so he's 30, 35. I'm hoping that he's 35. Could be. He, he's 35, 36. But I'm sure he, we just, me and my wife just talked about that today. He's 35. Okay. If I'm wrong, son, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, he, he has the same name as me. All right. Um, he lives out in Arizona. Oh, good. Okay. Um, he came out with me. Um, I have a daughter that lives in Cali. I have another daughter that lives in Texas. Okay. And my my, my other son lives in, um, he came out here to live with us. Okay. Um, he lives in New Mexico. He's a fireman. Oh, wow. Okay. And my daughter, which is here now, but she lives, well, she lives with me, but she goes to school in Tucson. Okay. At U of A, right. and um, she is the youngest, nineteen. Okay. Then I have foster kids. Okay. I have th- four girls. Is it four? Girls? Yes, it is. <laughs> I have four girls because I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I love them all, of course. But the state never says, "Hey," because you know most of them were emergency placements. Okay. Um, an emergency. What that me- really means is that if um, something happens, they need to put them in a home really quick. Okay. And that it always happens to us that they they bring him here and it's great. What um, a bless! What a blessing! Yeah, it's, it's been it's been fun. It's great. What a blessing! And I'm a big old kid, so I love to <laughs> I love to get on their nerves. <laughs> I, sometimes I wake up looking for okay, who who who's my target today? And they love it, you know what I mean, because they get the attention. Yes, but I love it too because it brings back out the kid in me because I refuse to really. Even though I feel it in your older age, you feel it, but you, I refuse to grow. I'll do the, dumb, the dumbest things to them, and they'll look at, you know, when they're new, they're looking like you, like, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Why would you do that? And then as time goes on, they're like, this is fun. Well, you know, I find that being around young people and youth keeps me young. Yeah. It keeps us young. It keeps does. Us young. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, in, in our age, you, you forget to laugh at things. You forget to yeah. smile about stuff. And, yeah. and that's a good reminder. Well, what a blessing. What yeah, a blessing. Yeah. Um, how long have you been married? Why would you ask me that? Because you're on, <laughs> on the fly, man. I'm just kidding. 21 years. 21 years. Yep. How lovely. 21 years. Yeah. You have a beautiful wife, by the way. Thank you. She, she's a blessing every time we come over. Yeah, she's probably the reason. The reason. Oh, man, I got stories. Now, she's <laughs> the reason why I'm still in music. Oh, okay. She, uh, it's, it's like I've never met a woman who would give you such a... I mean, she was very influential, and she's always pushing me. She's always like, um, if I'm doing something that's wasting time, okay, she's on me. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, yeah, I know. 
Whether even I mean she's on me even with with um, you know did you did you pray about it did you pray today mm. um, have you talked to God have you been talking to God lately that's good you know what I mean wow. and she's on me on that too as well because my mom my, my wife's a prayer warrior okay and it's it's because of her that things that has happened in a good way has happened I mean that's good I'll tell you a really quick story All right. so when she knew I was in the music. Um, we hadn't started our daycare quite yet, but I was I was not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was getting paid still, but I forgot what it was. I was getting paid disability, which is not a lot. Right. Um, I had the benefits still, but um, so, you know I was into music, and I says, "Man, you know I want to get this keyboard." And we were having we, we, there was some money coming in, but it hadn't came in yet. Yeah. And she says, "Well, now this is her." She says, "Well, we can write a check." Go buy the keyboard and just put it in the bank at the end of the week. I'm like, how are we gonna do that? You know, because don't don't they check or whatever? She's don't worry about it. I got it. She dressed up, really nice. It's looking really good. Um, she went to the guitar center by herself. Told the guy, you know, I want to get this keyboard for my husband. Um, kind of write a check for it, but it's not gonna clear till. You know, whatever, right, until right. a week from now. Right. And it just, you know, they were all Google got over. And they said, you know what, we'll, <laughs> we're going to do that. We'll, 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 we'll go ahead. <laughs> and she got me that keyboard. Wow. And we paid it. Yeah, of know, course. You know, but by the time that check had to clear, you know, the, uh, we had the money in the bank. Sounds, but Wow. Sounds like she's just very supportive. But you think about that. You know, some women be like, I ain't doing that. You better wait until we can get the money for this. But she she got the, she got the keyboard. And, um... She's been, she has a voice of influence as far as um, even yes. when the Triton keyboard first came out. For instance, uh, we went to Sam Ash Music Store in, in Bellflower, and she went with me. And, you know, back then you always finagled your deals. Right. And, you know, I never, at first, at, there was a time in my life where, you know, they says, oh, we can give you $10 off. Okay, cool. Or we won't charge you tax. All right, great. I'll take it. She went in there and this twenty twenty one hundred dollar twenty two hundred dollar keyboard, she got it for seventeen ninety nine. Amazing how people can do that stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, I need to take her. The first time I came here, they didn't give me that deal. (laughs) I need to take her when it's time to make my purchases. So she had the voice of influence. So you know, she kept me. um, She kept me going. You know, we were recording. um, I was recording. Singers, I met uh, a girl, a well, a girl, a young lady mm-hmm. named Gail Canada. Um, she changed my life. Okay, you know, because she, um, she, uh, how do I, how did I meet Gail? I met her f- through this guy named Michael, and he, he he met me because he heard some of my beats. Um, this girl used to go perform at different clubs, mm-hmm. and I was her. I was one of her producers, Okay, and she would perform with one of my songs, and he was like, hey, I want to get to know you. I want to get to know your producer. Um, so um, we met, and then I met Gail Canada. Now Gail Canada is a singer. She she sung on a song, was it Deborah Cox, I believe, that, that song Get Here? I think so. Deborah Cox. Yeah. She sung on that song, Okay, and, and her whole family are singers. Oh, wow. Okay. Gospel singers. They've sung R&B before. But she, she's, she's my, she was my first, the first person that when I said, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. 
We're gonna do. We're gonna do this. I love it. So and when I say that, is I had this sixteen track digital recorder that I bought. Okay. Um, and I bought it because I wanted to start mixing my sounds. I wanted to start mixing my drum sounds, my keyboard sounds. I wanted. I wanted to do it. And this box, it was sixteen channels, but you had every track had virtual channels. Right. Right. So it was. Oh, I forgot. Probably thirty two. Something like that. Yeah. I believe the virtual channels. Yeah. So um, I had one, and we started recording some stuff, basic stuff, and we took it to a studio. Studio had uh, 24 tracks of ADAT. Okay. We ran out of channels Whoa. because we were layer, layering stuff and that's all kind of things. So I was like, well, I can buy another one of these units, two of them, and we'll have 32 channels. Right. And we actually ran out of channels with that too. I had to use the virtual channels to... to to put it all together. But she was like, okay, we need to, at this point of the song, we're singing louder than this part of the song. Right? Can you kind of figure out a way to turn that down? She says, I don't think I can do it on this machine. She says, you probably can. So she made me learn. <laughs> so we would, I would do some recording, and I did not, when, she was, when she left, I spent hours learning how to, Use automation on this thing. Wow! And to this day, you know it's still hard to do it because sure. you, you're not, you don't see it like yes. you can on a computer. Right. It's a calculation that you have to have precise, mm-hmm. and you have to know what you're doing, or else you have to do the whole process of what you did to automate that. So I, I learned how to do automation on this board. So it sounds like that uh, Gail really pushed you to just do she, more. She, she pushed me to, yeah, she pushed me to do things that I didn't think I knew how to do. That's cool. Yeah. And then uh, the second person in my life to do that is my uh, Pastor Kelly, which is my pastor's wife. Okay. And we'll get into that later. Okay, but sure. she She did the same thing. She pushed me into doing things I didn't think I could do. That's cool. You know what I mean? And she said, no, you, you, we got to get this done. This is, and because she's the pastor, <laughs> and I felt like I had so much respect, and I still do, Yes, I had so much respect for her, I couldn't say, we can't do this. Right, right, right. I couldn't say that. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll get it done. <laughs> we'll find a way. And I hung up the phone with her, and I told my wife, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I says, what am I, we don't have, Nothing. We'd have, because initially with sound, it was for Kingdom of the Valley Church, I was doing sound there. And right. initially, we were going to hire people to do it, but it didn't work. The, um, the first two companies, you had to have, um, they were going to take out money from the church to get this done, but mm-hmm. it was a new building, so nobody would, would let them do that. Um, so, you no, know, the church had money, um, but they didn't have, at that time, there was so much construction that the, the, the building needed they didn't have $250,000 to dedicate towards sound. Sure. And we actually found somebody to do it for half of that. Oh, wow. But they were, they were from, I believe, Europe or something or something like that. So it was hard to get in contact with them. I would call him. He would answer for weeks at a time. Good grief. The clock was running. Yeah. Now, I had to do sound, video, and lighting. Wow. For a big church. Sure. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> what I am doing, you know, and what am I going to do to 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 achieve this goal? But when God, you know, my my pastor, she's a strong woman of God. When God's in control, it happens. And yes. It happened. I mean, wow. I got the gear, I got the people to help me. Wow. I did most of it. I did most of it. I did 
I would say 65 to 70% of the work. I had a guy to help me run wires, yeah. you know, to different TVs right, in, inside right. the sanctuary. He did that. He helped me a lot. Had another guy help me to make sure that, um, you know, with video stuff, like, okay, help me make sure that we get the right stuff, things for this. We There's a video uh, store in town. This guy is highly educated in video. So when our projector wasn't working, um, he says, oh, yeah, that, that, that projector probably needs to be, you probably need to run it at, at 1080i and, and instead of 1080p, and you can't do that. So here's a box. <laughs> Take that, put it on that projector, and you're done. Wow. And I did that. And we, our first day was uh, New Year's Eve. Okay. I was done with everything. Okay. We, I think the church started, let's say, I'm not sure about, maybe the church started at 8. I was done at 7.50. <laughs> Five. Oh my gosh. I th- I think oh man we were counting down heart attack as I am on the lift. Because see, I was on the we had I had people running sound for me sure. and I had people doing video. So I couldn't run sound. I was on the lift. Wow. And as soon as that projector was able to project something onto the screen, we started that countdown. Oh my goodness gracious. You know, for church, for service to start. You remember things like that for the rest of your life. I do. And I'm like, wow. I, I walk in there today and I'm like, wow, I, I did this. Now, you know, of course, looking back on it, there was a few things I would do differently now because I, I have the knowledge. Yes. Like I have the knowledge now to hook up all the video equipment. I know how to hook it up. I know how it should be ran. I know how to get into the software if right. a camera's not working and right. get it running. Now, do I know anything about video? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, I used to really get stressed when I would, because I used to uh, run the sound for the youth group for our church uh, mm-hmm. back in the day. And it was one of those same kind of things where it had been passed around from youth department, youth department, youth department. So I had a bunch of wires, just a bunch of wires. Yeah. And then we would have to start and something would happen. And then I'd have to research how to fix it. Yeah. I'd have to research this. How does this connect to this? Yeah. You, that, that was it. Yeah. And, and it's always this panic mode, you know, where it's really yeah. pushing you. We've got only 10 minutes left. Yeah. But from those experiences, you get a ton of knowledge. Yeah. And you also start to realize that it's not impossible. That no, you can yeah. work around. You can find a way to make it happen, no matter what it is. Yeah. Well, I I didn't want this is something that I didn't want to I didn't want to fail at it fail at it, and I wanted to work, and it did. Yep. And it was you know after we got up and running, it was still some rough edges ar- around. You know there was still some things that we had to tighten up on. You know, and the pastor was gracious enough to give me that time. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, but it was amazing, and it was because one person pushed me, had faith enough in me. Wow. To feel as if I can get it done. That's you know wonderful. I mean? So, if it wasn't, and if it wasn't for her, you know, pushing me, I would never know how to hook up a video camera or even lighting. I, we, the original lights that we did for that church, I did, and the stage worked. The, it, the lights <laughs> were there. It, you know, we got decent shots. But except for the problem was that it wasn't pro lighting. Right. I went the you know the cheaper route and sure. got a whole <laughs> slew of DJ lights on that trust, <laughs> and it, it was fine at first. But DJ lights are cheaper lights; they're not pro lights. So what right. happens with them is that they don't they start instead of being white, they'll turn blue. Yes, they'll, they'll turn a color and get stuck there. Right, and it was just you know when you don't when you don't have the right things, it's, it's more of a hassle to get it back right. When you but now you know now I know <laughs> now the difference you know. between uh huh. Uh, one thousand dollar, a pro Chevy light, mm-hmm. 
the difference between that and a one hundred dollar right. Chevy light. They may look the same, but that pro, you can tell. It, it's a it's a lot different. You can tell. You know. So yeah, it's it was. I learned I learned a lot um, doing sound for Kingdom. Good. All right. Well, let's take a little bit of a break here. Okay. Because I want to go into another segment. So thank you very much for this. Oh, anytime. Well done. Well done. You've been listening to the Sonic Cast, where artists discuss their passion for creating music. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find show notes in the descriptions, as well as information to hear more from our guest. You can also visit us at www.sonicproductions.biz to license music and shop for some cool merchandise. Sonic Productions, our music, your story.